You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. This is on identity in Christ. And so if y'all were talking to your kids, how would you describe to them what it means to have their identity in Christ? How would you put it in like simple terms? And I know some of y'all have like four-year-olds, which makes it harder. I asked if you were going to describe to your kids um, in simple terms what it means to have their identity in Christ, how would you explain that? Or how would you even explain identity to your kids? I think that's so good. That's, that's a really, I feel like, really good place to start, um, just like that immovable love. Um, and so I think kind of tied to that, I would explain identity in Christ or just your identity in general as like the most important thing about you. Like how do you identify yourself or what's the biggest thing that people know about you and the biggest thing that you know about yourself. Um, And so having your identity in Christ would be that the biggest thing that you know about yourself is what Christ has to say about you and who he is and what he's done for you. So kind of touches on that. Um, And I would, yeah, so that's how I would explain identity in Christ to a high schooler or to even your little kids. Um, but we, we live in a world that's pretty obsessed with identity. Um, you know, what's your sexual orientation? What's your stance on vaccines? What's your stance on anything else? And I think um, as we get to know different people, the world today like tries really hard to get to know you just by like, what's the biggest thing I need to know about you? Um, whether that's your political party, whether that's where you vacation, um, what your profession is, whatever else. Um, and that's a really big thing for kids, too, is like, what sports do they play? What are they good at? Um, you know, where do they vacation? I think they even care about those things. Um, but the problem with kind of identifying other people this way is it's such a cheap and easy way to get to know someone. Um, and it takes away the fact that we're all so complex. Um, and there's so many different things about us, so many ways that the Lord has formed us. Um, and the problem with identifying ourselves with any of those things is that they can all be taken away so easily. Um, a job, a marriage, a spouse, um, a reputation, all these things can go away. And I think as y'all especially are forming young people, because I know a lot of y'all's kids are really young, um, but as they put their identity into sports or grades or whatever else, those are all so subject to change. And so this is a really important thing um, as kids are growing and developing, um, is that they have their identity in something that's not movable and can't change. Um, and Christ is the only thing that can't change. So we're going to read um, the psalm, which is on one side of your piece of paper. Um so listen for, there. it's going to name two things about us, like us as followers, us as people. Um, and so listen for those. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. 
For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So in verses specifically 13 and 14, what are the two things that it kind of calls us? Children. Children. Yes. And then what's, what's the other thing? Dust. Yeah, those are two pretty different things to say that you're um, a child and you're dust. Um, but I think having those two things in mind as y'all parent and just as your kids' identities form, um, that's going to root them and anchor them so much. So, you know, being children of God, like Jill just said, you know, you, we can't do anything to make God love us more or less. Um, we're precious to him. He's bought us. Like, all of those things are so important, but equally important, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Um, when your child messes up, um, knowing that it's not a surprise to you that they messed up because they're sinners, and it's not a surprise to God that they've messed up um, because he remembers that we are dust. And that's so comforting to me um, when I can get in the nitty-gritty of you know my performance or a mistake that I've made or whatever else, keeping that in mind that, um, that we are dust, and the Lord knows that. Um, and we can't have one of those things without the other, um, being children, but with no kind of... Um, idea about how small we are, how insignificant we are, how sinful we are, um, leads to like bad ideas. And then two, believing that we're dust, but with no, um, knowledge of how precious we are as God's children also, uh, presents problems. So do y'all have any questions or comments so far? No. Okay. So now flip over to the other side. This is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Um, for me, it's um, it gives me and I it gives me a really good perspective, and I think it's a good image for y'all to have with your kids as they grow and they might mess up. Um, and so I'll read it. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. For those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and they told about the pigs as well. When the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region, 
As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all of the people were amazed. Um, okay, so what was this man like before he met Jesus? Insane. Yes, absolutely. He was insane. He's probably pretty frightening to be around. Um, you know, I'm sure everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew to stay away from him. Um, I said he, he gnashed himself with rocks. He broke open chains. I mean, just truly a scary, insane person. Um, and then Jesus comes on the scene and he runs to him and falls before him. And then there's this kind of interesting conversation that happens. It's between Jesus and it's not between the man and Jesus, it's between the demons who are in the man and Jesus, um, which to me helps it make a little more sense. So when they ask, when Jesus asks, what is your name? He responds, legion. It's because there's like a legion's worth of demons um, possessed inside this man. And so then, you know, Jesus casts the pigs or the demons into the swine. And what did the man say to Jesus at the end of the story? Where, where was he wanting to go? Yeah, he wanted to go with Jesus. Why do you think he would want to go with Jesus? Yes, that's, yeah, definitely one part of it. You know, he's met Jesus. He's met um, God. He's been healed by him. But do you feel like if it put your cynical cap on, why do you think he would want to go with Jesus? Yes, he had probably burned all of his bridges. Um, I'm sure he spent years living in a cave, um, terrifying everyone. And so now he's sitting there in his right mind, and he, I, I can only imagine him thinking, wow, like, a, you know, of course there's the joy that he's free, but there's probably also this moment of, I cannot go back there. You know, this realization of, um, you know, maybe what he's done, how people feel about him, um, and just so much fear of, oh my gosh, I can't go back there because people know who I've been. They know what I've done to them. They know what I've experienced. Um, and so naturally he says like, okay, Jesus, I want to go with you. Like, Take me somewhere else. Um, but what is Jesus's response and why? Yeah. And then, um, at the, at the very end, it says all the people were amazed. Um, so because this man, uh, was insane and like such a public situation of, um, you know, him having demons and all of that, um, because of that, his testimony weighed so much more in the eyes of the people. The fact that he was sitting there in his right mind um, and people had seen what he was like before um, is just so much more impactful. Um, and I love that Jesus doesn't really let him take the easy way out and come with him because um, Jesus had thousands of followers at this point. But instead, Jesus says, no, like you have to go back. You have to go to your hometown and share what I've done for you. And I'm sure that we have all at some point being adults had uh, periods of our life or moments where you do not want to go back to. Maybe it's high school. Um, for me, it, I'll share a personal story later where this story really impacted me. But um, I love this story because this man is such a pure example of understanding that he is dust, but he's also a child of God now. Um, you know, he, he knows what he's done, but then ultimately he does have the courage to go back because he's met a man who cares about him. He's met a man who's freed him. Um, and that becomes like the biggest piece of his identity, um, is now that he is one who knows and believes in Jesus. Um, 
And so that's what allows him to go back to this difficult place. Um, And so I think this is such a good story for y'all as parents. And you may not use it until they're teenagers or later on, but your kids are going to screw up. They're going to say something mean about a friend. Um, They might make a public mistake. Um, That's very difficult for them. Um, You know, opportunities are endless to sin and fall short. And I feel like this is such a good story of, um, you know, Jesus doesn't make our lives easier, but he redeems like even the darkest parts of our lives. Um, There's so much opportunity when we offer up things to him. And ultimately, when we become Christians, nothing is off limits. Um, You know, there's no old relationship, old season of life, um, whatever else that become off limits to Jesus redeeming and restoring it. And those parts of our stories that are so dark become um, the things that ultimately lead people to him and like show his glory so much more. So this story was really impactful for me when I was a fresh, right after my freshman year of college, um, I went to Stanford and um, I don't know if, hey David, um, I went to Stanford, don't know if any of you have went to Stanford or know much about it, but it's pretty small conservative Baptist and I came in not conservative and Baptist. Um, and so I was super frustrated and just partied all, all year long. I just was like, I don't want to be here. This is not my place. Um, and really got myself into, into some holes. I was on probation for behavior. I was on academic probation. I mean, it was, it was bad. And, uh, I met the Lord the summer after my freshman year and I was like, well, I can't go back there. Like I've behaved terribly. Um, and now like my eyes were open to just how badly I'd behaved and, um, you know, had so much shame about that. But then, you know, reading this story and really praying about it, um, I just heard the Lord saying, like, there's no opportunity for redemption if you just avoid everything that's hard and every mistake that you've made and all of that. And so um, then because of that, I mean, I, I'm so thankful the Lord really did redeem and restore so much throughout the next three years there because I didn't just transfer, <laughs> which would have been way easier. Um, so I think the story is just so good um, in thinking about identity and thinking about just the hard places where your kids might have to go and venture into. And and then for yourselves too, as you share your story with them, um, the biggest mistakes you've made are your biggest tools to minister to your kids. Um, And so the last thing that I didn't print it out, but I also like thinking about the woman at the well um, with regard to this kind of theme of identity. And, um, you know, she also had a pretty bad track record. And when she met Jesus, um, you know, he said, I, I know everything about you. You know, I know every husband you've had. I know you're living with a man who isn't your husband. And um, yet, you know, she was so dignified in getting to meet Jesus. And he sent her back to her town. And she, like, went around bragging that someone she met knew everything she had ever done. Um, and I just think that's so beautiful that she could go from someone who's ashamed and hiding and going to a well at a time where she's not going to run into anybody um, to someone who's going around saying, I've met someone who um, has, has known everything I've ever done and clearly loved her, um, because, you know, even amidst all of that. Um, and so I think that's what God does with our identity when our identity truly is in him. No place is off limits. No thing is off limits. And um, so, yeah, that's all I have. But do you have any questions or comments have y'all heard these stories before yeah i i love that i hadn't even thought of that that's so good yeah yeah but we also operate within a community people that a lot of healing and redemption can take place
Yeah. Yeah, I love that because he did heal the demon-possessed man. And I would imagine being that man, going back to the town, you're like, all right, I'm just going to tell people about Jesus. Not going to expect much. Going to get out of here as soon as possible and then to be restored to a community. You know, um, there's always so much more there that the Lord has planned than we can see. But that's really good. Hey. Hey, I think I've missed a lot of it. Probably. It's okay. <laughs> I think that I did hear um, probation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, so since a lot of you have younger kids, I'll say, and we say this at Sex Ed every year, um, the first source for information is the trusted source. So if your kids do come to you and ask about drinking or ask about sex or ask about whatever else, um, for one, that probably means they're around it. And so um, they're, you know, they're asking questions for a reason. <clears throat> And two, if they're asking you and that becomes like a conversation that y'all can have, you're going to be the person they come to to talk about it. And so my, my parents are amazing, clearly. You know, I turned out fine. But um, I, I do vividly remember the first time I asked my mom about sex, and it was in seventh grade. And, um, and she got kind of mad at me for asking, and we never talked about it again. I was like, okay, I learned that we cannot talk about this, and I will find out from friends or my aunt or whoever. Um, and so that's a kind of a word of warning that I would give if, you know, doing as much as you can to have that be an open conversation. Um, and then two, knowing that if they ask, it's for a reason. Do you have some? And I'd say like an important, you don't have to, you don't have to give the gory details to your kids, but I think when they, when y'all are having the conversation, even if you're being vague, they can sense what emotions you have behind it. So if you're ashamed when you're talking to your kids about, you know, like, oh, you know, I have, I've made choices I'm not proud of, things like that. Like, I think it's more important that they sense kind of the freedom that you have from your past, the, like your identity being in Christ, um, you know, the things that are most important to you about yourself is that you're like a child of God and all of that. Um, and two, I think that can kind of take the, I mean, these are the most important things that teenagers are dealing with. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I don't carry a lot of weight for the decisions I made in high school. You know, like as you've, as we all grow and evolve as Christians and as just people, um, hopefully those things carry less weight. And so I think that's kind of important that even if you're talking vaguely and, you know, not airing out everything, um, just making sure you yourself don't have a sense of shame about those things and like really processing that for yourself um, to be able to, your, to like lead your kids. But did I answer your question? Can you tell me your question again? Yeah, I think so before um, before you walked in, we looked at Psalm 103, which talks about how we're like children of God, but we're also dust and he knows we're dust. And I feel like kind of like those absolute truths, you know, saying repeatedly to your children, like we're like we are sinners. We're so like we are so fallen short, like we need God's grace every day. I think, you know, y'all can as parents just really drive that in that everyone has fallen short everyone's sinful like we're you know we all are in so such need and then i think we as youth ministers have a little more freedom to kind of give examples to that and that maybe y'all don't have to of these are the ways that i i am a sinner and i was a sinner in high school and all of those different things um so i think kind of the things that tie us together are just we're we're saying the same thing about 
our need and our sin and the grace and all of that. But I mean, maybe we have a little more freedom to give examples and, and there, you know, every student's different. I'm going to minister to every student differently. Um, there are some students who I would not dare tell them what I've, you know, may have done in high school because it would scare them and not be helpful. And, you know, us having a relationship and, talking about the Lord. And then there are students who the like look of relief that they have when I'm a little more honest about maybe choices that I've made. Um, and so it's going to be different with every student, I think, but I don't know. And then I think it's helpful, which I know y'all all have younger kids, but it's so helpful for me working with youth and parents when parents tell me what's going on. And like, they might text me and be like, this is what my child's dealing with. And just kind of communicating about, cause y'all are with your kids so much more than I am. Um, but just us working together and two, I'll share things with parents sometimes where I'm like, Hey, I think your kid's struggling with this and, um, you know, you need to pray and like try to speak into it as much as you can without, you know, revealing that we're kind of on the same team. But, um, but yeah, I think just, just communication between parents and ministers, whether that's Tara and Gunner, um, me and Tucker, whoever, but yeah, thanks for your question. I hope that helped at all. Okay. What else? Any questions from parents with younger kids? <clears throat> or any big takeaways from the day? I usually make the high schoolers share big takeaways. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll pray and be done. Um, dear God, thank you so much for this time to be together. I thank you for all of these parents, Lord, and just um, the gifts that you've given them and their children. Um, and I pray, or I just thank you um, so much for the relationships that each of these parents have with you and the desires and prayers that they have for their kids' lives and for their kids' relationships with you. God, I pray that you would just compel these parents to pray um, unceasingly for their kids, uh, that they would rely on the church and other Christians and ministers um, to support them when they're in need. Um, God, we pray that you just would con continue to shape and fashion these kids um, in your likeness and just uh, to love you and grow in your knowledge and love. Um, and we thank you so much, Lord, that you redeem all of the um, darker corners of our lives, that we have such freedom from um, having our identity in you and um, that being the biggest way that we know ourselves um, and the biggest way that we share ourselves with others is by sharing what you've done for us um, and just your mercy and kindness. So thank you for this time together. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.